Welcome back to DQP Does, the Drafty Quarters Podcast Network movie review show where we look seven times across 20 years for the same fucking place. With me this evening is my co-host, Russell. I've done that with love. That's sad. Uh, <laughs> it's supposed to be funny. <laughs> Pity laughs. Uh, also with us this evening is Dave. I've done that with restaurant menus. I've done it with my keys. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's probably more accurate. That's a joke, Russell. <laughs> Take notes. Oh my god. Uh we are continuing to go on an adventure swinging through uh to spring with our uh yeah, it was swing to spring is what I said. Yeah, swing the first to time. spring. You did. Yeah. Which works if every movie has a swinging vine in it. But this one doesn't. It didn't. This yeah. was a tone shift. <laughs> uh we watched this week we watched uh, The Lost City of Z. Came out in 2016, PG-13, two hours and 21 minutes. Go ahead. I believe it's the Lost City of Zed. Well, whatever. It's it's a letter, and it doesn't say in French. <laughs> so. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's basically... It's <laughs> a good point, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. It's basically the story of uh, uh, Percival Fawcett. Um, he was a major in the British Army. Um, and he was asked by... Uh, what, what the fuck was that? The Robert Pattinson. Oh. Cotton? Colton? No. C- C- Col- Col- stop. Stop, 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 stop. The Royal Geographical Society. Oh. It wasn't a person. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, the Royal Geographical <laughs> Society was asked... Basically, he there was something about his past with his uh, his parentage and his uh, lineage yeah. uh, that basically kept him from doing what he thought he should be able to do with his life. Yeah. Um, Which we never found been, out. Yeah, we, it never goes into that. He'd always been held back... So these guys gave him an op- gave him an opportunity uh, to go to uh, Bolivia into the Amazon, uh, mm-hmm. and it, there was a war brewing between a couple countries down there over rubber, and just like you know, they needed a map drawn basically, uh, and then eventually they asked him to find the end of the Amazon River, um, or the source of it, and. Uh, he ends up becoming a very famous explorer. Uh, he does serve in World War One in the middle of that. Um, and he ends up, at the end, uh, getting lost in the Amazon with his son, who is, has, uh, since he started exploring till now, has grown into a man. Um, Tom Holland. Yeah, who's played by Tom Holland in this. Uh, Percy is played by uh, Charlie Hunnam. Uh, Henry Conton? Costin? Costin. Costin. Mr. Henry, Costin. Henry Costin is played by uh, uh, Robert, uh, Pattinson. Robert Pattinson. Uh, which, again, another movie that he is like, I and mean, it's not like a crazy role or anything, 
No, but he's fantastic but as this character. Yeah, he's so he good. does amazing. Yeah, yeah. I, I really like Robert Pattinson. It's really unfortunate that his first impression with 99% of people is going to be Twilight. Yeah, that sucks. Um, hopefully it that falls out of the pop culture lexicon at some point. Yeah. Hopefully after next week's Batman. Or this week's Batman, because this is going to come out like right before that. Yeah. Oh, shit. I guess I forgot Batman was that soon. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really hope like Batman is like his redemption because yeah. he these other roles we've seen him in. Yeah, this, I mean, and, to uh, us, Tenet, he's redeemed. Like, yeah, but that, yeah. we want. I mean, like the movies that people would have seen would probably be Tenet, and that's basically it, right? Like, yeah, but the, I mean, even still, then like Christopher Nolan has a niche. Like yeah. he has a niche audience. So like, but it's probably the biggest movie out of the ones that we've watched. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, he like. That lighthouse, the the mm-hmm. lighthouse, uh, this movie, like he he like, and I'm someone who actively railed against like Robert Pattinson having any career after Twilight. Oh, me too. Like 100. percent But I since, was wrong. Yeah, I yeah. was too. Like it's recorded. I'm admitting it. <laughs> like, oh, we have another. We have another thing to talk about how we were wrong at the end of the show. Oh yeah, that one hurts. Yeah, that hurts. But. Um, like so, Not so yeah. Like I'm scared. <laughs> you weren't wrong, Dave. Batman never... being his like overall redemption, which is a good character <laughs> for him to do it with. Yeah, too, I'm hoping so. it's a good movie. I'm scared just because DC's been so crap, other than Peacemaker lately. Yeah, well, Suicide so, Squad. So I have a lot of hope for this because, like, the Joker. I loved it, the Joker movie. Yeah, I thought it was amazing. Um, I just don't. I don't know. It's like not really a DC movie to me. Yeah. It's. I'm hoping I feel the same way about this. Yeah, like, I agree with that. It's not really a DC movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's somebody else. It's Marvel making a Batman movie. <laughs> I don't remember Batman being in this movie though. No, no, he's not. Uh, well, well. I he mean, is, he's, but... is, he is, but he's not. <laughs> uh, I just want to. I want to like. I wish I had gone to see this in a theater so that I could could have seen like the the chick that like loved Twilight sit next to the like middle-aged woman that liked sons of anarchy watch them just be both be like what the fuck is this movie <laughs> yeah because so, uh, this is almost like a, a biopic yeah 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 of a guy like, from the 1920s yeah like it, it goes from like 1905 to 1925 and then the very end is like 1933 that that's another point I wanted to really hit. Like Charlie Hunnam's primary, like his his startup, his claim to fame, his big thing that like made him a huge guy is Sons of Anarchy. Yeah, and I just didn't care for him in Sons of Anarchy. Like I actively do not like him in Sons of Anarchy. I I think I I liked the first season and I liked him, but like I didn't watch the whole thing. So yeah, Sons of Anarchy to me, like I get it. I watch shows that are similar to and but like sons of anarchy to me is as close as a daytime soap opera for men that you're gonna get yeah like and that i I didn't love the show a whole lot anyway i watched probably most of the first season like it's not bad it's okay but like charlie hunnam was like a huge deal and i just didn't get it but since sons of anarchy he has done 
many roles. More like, better stuff. Yeah. Like I and I didn't love him in Pacific Rim, which was one of the first bigger movies that he did. I just after don't think Sons that was like a well written role though. No, I don't think so either. Like his it's I like movie, that though. movie. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, yeah. It's a great great fun movie. Uh but his role wasn't super great. And so like, but I have seen him in a few other things since then. And in this, I fucking loved him in this. Yeah. yeah. Like he is that guy with like a passion that is going to do what he's going to do. Damn everything else. Damn his yeah. family. Like, and I, I think that actually is just him maybe with an English accent. Like, because I think he is English. Isn't he, he? Yeah. But yeah. like, like this particular accent is yeah. a little different. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, but I think that because if you go back and you watch Pacific Rim, there's a certain tone to that movie, and he mm. is way too serious for it. Yeah. And I feel like, I don't know if it's if that's like because of who he is, yeah. or just how he was trying to play the character, and this fit him better, or if he's like a good actor and it was just poorly written, or he yeah. was poorly directed in that movie. Yeah. Well, You know what I mean? Yes. I also think anytime he has to do an American accent, it hurts whatever it is he's doing. Because it's not not like Tom Holland, not like Andrew Lincoln. He doesn't, I don't think he nails, which like, I mean, it's it's hard not to, but I, I just don't like find, I don't think he loves and can get, get into like the American yeah, accent. Yeah, sure. And I think it hurts most of the characters that he's played as like being an American or whatever. Mm. But in the roles that I've seen him do where he doesn't have to cover up his accent, he, like, those are the roles that I've really enjoyed and I've thought he's really been able to, like, excel at. Um, so I think he's, I think, I think that's just one of the things. Whereas, like, Tom Holland or Andrew Lincoln are people who I didn't even know were fucking British. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's like the, the one uh, Holland interview where he's talking to somebody and they're like, why are you doing a British accent? It's like, because I'm from Britain. I'm from the UK. And they're like, yeah. no, you're not. It's like, yeah, I am. I know where I was born. Um, yeah, so this movie is is about Percy Fawcett and what he goes through um, trying to find basically uh, on his first, in, in the movie anyway, on his first foray into the jungle uh he finds evidence of a uh a lost civilization yeah um and he's basically trying to fight the idea that savages are savages yeah. right they there's no way that they could have any kind of civilization the maximum they could ever achieve is living in mud huts yeah all this basically racist and white supremacist shit like yeah, yeah. Xen only, xenophobic bullshit yeah, like yeah. the only only white protestant males can be uh you know, smart and do stuff. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> um, and, or Catholic or Christian or whatever. I don't yeah. know. It was fucking England. Um, so he's kind of trying to fight against that idea when he finds that the, that there were people that possibly predated Eng you know, European civilization that had the advancements before you know they had pottery before right. the english and the french and the italians and the greeks did yeah uh, and so on and so forth like all this this huge new discovery to um human history and 
he like goes back and everybody's like, no, savages are you know, worthless and dumb and the devil and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And he's like, what? No, that's, that's ridiculous. Yeah. I have proof. And they're like, oh, I can pots and pans. Pots and pans. So like one person does believe him and wants to go on his voyage. <laughs> with him. Oh God, this dude. And it's, it's a, uh, it's a guy that was on the voyage to Antarctica uh, with, I can't remember what the guy's name is that went to Antarctica. Oh, shit, Shane. Why'd you fuck this up? Why don't you remember? <laughs> uh, let's see. Do, do. It's the uh, Shackleton. The Shackleton uh, voyage. Nimrod expedition. Uh, going to the Antarctic. But, uh, so the guy that wants to go with him is James Murray. Murray. Uh, and he goes, and they, they basically, like, oh, it's the Heath River that they're trying. Rio Verde, 1910, made a journey to the Heath River. So he did trace the source of the Rio Verde. And then in 1910, made a journey to the Heath River on the border between Peru and Bolivia to find its source. Um, having retired from the army in 1911, but then he gets back? Does he not actually? Oh, okay. He does go. Yeah, so I'm I'm like melding the movie and actual history because this is all based... Fairly closely to actual events. Actual events, okay. Um, so they went, they went uh, back to Bolivia with Murray, and Murray is basically like a fat piece of shit. Uh, and uh, they try, like Fawcett tries to help him, yeah. tries to keep everything cool with the rest of the crew, but eventually he's too ill and too weak to continue on. He's pissed everyone off. In the movie, he's like completely pissed everyone off, and it's everyone else's fault. Uh, so he sends him on his own away to go back to camp to a uh, mining camp, and they will get him back to safety. Um, in real life, apparently, they the whole uh, crew diverted to get him back to safety, and then he like disappeared after that. And then he showed up in uh, London and was like, uh, Percy, like, mistreated me and stuff. Um, so in real life, it wasn't as intense as it is in the movie. In the movie? It was amped up a little bit. He didn't sabotage their shit when he left. Um, in the movie, he, like, pours oil on their rations, so they have to quit the expedition. Yeah. Um... He eats when, all their food at one point. Yeah, he eats he eats a bunch of their food and eats like a special thing that his wife had made for the whole crew. Uh he eats the whole thing. He like dug into fucking uh Fawcett's pack yeah. to find it. Like he was fucking hunting truffles like a pig. He also like almost capsized their boat. Yeah, yeah. He's just a dumb fat piece of shit. Yeah, they made the wrong call, not just like putting a bullet it in. You should have capped him, yeah. So, in the Amazon. Um, 
the, he tries to like get Fawcett in trouble when they come back. So in the in the movie, it, it's like, oh yeah, I have all this power, and I'm gonna get you in all this trouble, and everybody's like, oh yeah, just apologize, please. Uh, but then he puts this caveat on it of, you know, your wife has to watch you grovel and stuff, and he's like, you know what, fuck you, I'm sorry, I, I'm sorry to my men that I didn't fucking leave you where you lay in the Amazon, you piece of shit. Yeah. And he walks out. What really happened was that he was gonna sue, and people that ran the RGS said, hey, don't do that, that's dumb. Yeah. Fawcett's respected. Um... So it wasn't nearly as intense in real life, but it did happen. Like all that, uh, a less intense version of all that happened. Yeah. Uh, but Murray did do the thing, the other thing that they talk about <laughs> where, uh, when Fawcett goes back to, he goes to, uh, into world war one and they get like a newspaper clipping talking about Murray going on a, a expedition in Canada or with Canadians to, uh, where did he go? I don't remember where he went. Maybe he went back to the Arctic. Where'd it go? There it is. Uh, Canadian scientific expedition to the Arctic aboard the ill-fated Carluck as an oceanographer. So, basically in the movie, it says that he mutinied and ended up disappearing in a snowstorm. Um, this is what really happened. Uh, the ship became trapped in Arctic ice in August of 1913. Um, eventually, Murray and three others, dissatisfied with Captain Robert Bartlett's leadership, decided to try to reach safety on their own, and signing a letter absolving the captain of responsibility, and after receiving supplies from him, they departed across the ice on February 5th to try to reach Wranglet, or Wrangle Island or Harold Island. They were last seen experiencing major difficulties a few days later by three people returning from another mission, but they refused to return to the ship. The only subsequent hint of their fate was a sailor's scarf belonging to one of them, later found buried in an ice floe. Murray, Murray and his three companions were presumed to have died in the Arctic in February of 1914. Damn. Hmm. So it sounded like the captain heard about what he tried to do to Fawcett. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And was like, no, you gotta sign a letter no. saying that this is your fucking idea to leave. <laughs> <clears throat> so yeah, he ended up dying because he was a cock. Uh, also, not to like interrupt your synopsis, no, go ahead. there's one kind of more important, kind of important part during the Murray thing. Oh. When they... Uh, Oh, they meet they, the Indian. Yeah, the, they, they befriend they the, the natives. Yeah, natives. Yeah, they befriend a, a tribe of natives, um, which is actually very important in in real life and in the movie. Um, they befriend a, a tribe of of natives that were cannibals. Yeah, but they said that the person that they were eating was a, a tribe member who had died of old age. Um, and they were absorbing their soul into the rest of the tribe. So kind of like a, it was more of a spiritual thing than just, you know, killing people just and killing eating them. Just killing to eat them, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's still messed up. Still messed up, but... but I mean, it's, it's kind of sweet. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't, like, not to sound like a well, fucking long psychopath, is sweet. but... <laughs> Not to sound like a psychopath. <laughs> oh, sorry. 
not to sound um, like one. There's like a sweet sentiment to that. And like, I yeah. was kind of glad it was incorporated into the movie because like the movie I think does really good is like not showing the natives as savages. Like all the way like, up till the end. Well, yeah, but <laughs> so the parts they had actually to base stuff on. Yeah. Which like, so there's, well, we'll talk about that here in a minute. Go ahead and finish your synopsis. Yeah. Uh, basically he, so he goes, he ends up going to, uh, world war one, uh, some shit happens. He gets uh, hit with some chlorine gas, um, and he's told that he's not going to be able to go back to the Amazon. And so he like starts living life at home with his family. You know, actually taking care of his kids. He's got three kids now, um, and they they all have basically mostly grown up without him um, because he's been on all these uh, expeditions and he went to war. Yeah. Um, and a few years later, his son, Jack, who's played by Tom Holland in this basically convinces him and his wife that they should both try to go find, uh, this lost civilization that he had theorized so many years prior. Um, so they end up getting the funding and they go after they go, they get to a certain point, um, and they run into some natives, uh, and they end up the, in a very strange series of events. Like they get captured or they, they get attacked by one set of natives and they run away into another set of natives that are obviously like a different tribe. Yeah. Um, and those natives stop the other, the first natives from killing them, but then those guys capture them and then they end up dying, but it's not really like clear. Well, they, you, you don't really see them die. They, like, it seems like they drug them, and then they, like, carry them across the river, and then, like, they're never seen again. Uh, they also, like, so before they carry them across the river earlier, uh, somewhere earlier, they talk about there being some sort of cave-like entrance oh, yeah. to the Lost City. Yeah, and, at Dead Horse Camp. Yeah. And it kind of looks like, so like it's, I mean, it's up to the like watcher. Yeah. But it kind of could be left up to the imagination on that doorway that they're carrying them. Yeah. Into. Did they take them to the city or did they die? Yeah. Or did they kill them and eat them? Did, what, what the fuck yeah. happened? Yeah. yeah. I, like, I like that it's open ended. Yeah. But, and then I think that's the only way that they could have actually ended it. Yeah. Considering how it ended in real life. Yeah. I agree. And then I was, because when they're in the boat, the one guy uh, that's like puking up black stuff at some point is singing uh, The Road to El Dorado. Yeah. And I don't know. Manly. Yeah, Manly. Yeah. And I don't know if that's what they were implying, but like. Well, that's just the what the road... conquistadors call it. Yeah. Well, the. Yeah, El Dorado is the lost Spanish city. So then, but now I don't know if they were like on the hunt for the. If it's the same, it's supposed to be the same thing. Because of the conquistador thing, or if like, because El Elder, I thought El Dorado was a uh, like a, a a lost Spanish city, not a lost city in the Amazon that the Spanish were looking for. Right, you know what I mean. Yeah, so I like, there's like some confusion there, but like the exploration, like all the exploration stuff is crazy. Yeah, and like watching this movie, I looked up some stuff afterwards. Um. Because I was kind of curious, like, how much of a, the world is still left. And there's still parts of the world 
like of land. There's still parts of land in the world that have yet to be explored. Mm. It's like I think it's like six or seven percent of the land, really, or whatever. That's yeah. super interesting. I didn't know that. Hmm. Yeah, because like when you, but there's parts that are like supposedly still like completely uninhabitable, right? Like the way the terrain is, or like how it's just like. Like, there's one area that starts with a D. I can't remember what it's called now. My phone is preparing video. <laughs> but there's, like, one area that Is starts... it preparing the video? I, it... Is, I, I'm... We've been preparing for 25 minutes, and I'm, yeah. like, an eighth of the way done. Yeah, same. Uh, but it, uh... I don't know what I'm saying. Sorry. There's, there's still parts left, like, that haven't been explored. So, like, that's fucking wild to me that yeah. we've been exploring this world for however many years. Yeah. And then the movie, another thing the movie does that I thought was super interesting was it really hits on like uh ancient like ancient civilizations and like how long ago it was and like how the transformation of information just like hasn't happened over those years. Right. For people to know that some of those civilizations existed. You know? Yeah. Like I don't know, it's fucking wild. No, it's it's wild. It's a very serious movie. There's almost no humor in it. Right. Which is fine. It's just weird coming from, like, Dave said earlier that this was a huge tonal shift, and it's a a huge tone shift. Yes. I I really enjoyed this movie. Yeah, it's a fantastic movie. But when I put it on, I was like, okay, it's going to be an adventure. And I'm like, oh, this is not what I expected. Yeah, it's an adventure, but, like, real adventure, not... Yeah. There's no zombies. Not Disney adventure. There's no zombies. Yeah. There's no pirates. Yeah. There was yeah. no lovable dog. I I would say there, there there's is... a lovable dog. I mean, there's a lovable dog. But... He's just not like, you know, on a, on the adventure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I as as far as like humor goes, yeah. There's there's no like intended comedy. There's but a couple of funny there's, spots. There's a lot of witty yeah. remarks. And I, it right. might just be me, but that like old English, like those yeah, old English old... fucking retorts yeah. kill me. Like that shit, I fucking love that shit. Yeah. Uh, before we get too far from the El Dorado stuff. Yeah. Um, let's just uh, be completely clear here. El Dorado, um... Spanish for the golden one, originally El Hombre Dorado, the golden man, or El Rey Dorado, the golden king, was the term used by the Spanish in the 16th century to describe a mythical tribal chief uh, of the Muisca people, or Muisca, I'm saying this terribly, people, and an indigenous people of the Altiplano, oh my god, so many letters in this word, Cundiboya, uh, Cundiboya sense of Colombia. Or elsewhere, or elsewhere in South America. Not for sure in Colombia, apparently. Um, who, as an initiation rite, covered himself with gold dust and submerged in Lake Guadavita. The legends surrounding El Dorado changed over time as it went from being a man to a city to a kingdom and then finally to an empire. A second location for El Dorado was inferred from rumors, which inspired several unsuccessful expeditions in the late 1500s in search of a city called Manoa, on the shores of Lake Parame or Parama. Two of the most famous of these expeditions were led by Sir Walter Raleigh. In pursuit of the legend, Spanish conquistadors and numerous others searched uh, what is today Colombia, Venezuela, and parts of Guyana and northern Brazil. 
for the city and its fabulous king. In the course of these explorations, much of northern South America, including the Amazon River, were mapped. Uh, by the beginning of the 19th century, most people dismissed the existence of the city as a myth. Hmm. Interesting. I'm learning so much on this episode. Dude, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn you some more shit here in a minute. Oh, we're getting learned? <clears throat> oh, we're getting learned. So I want to talk about the end of this movie. Okay. Um, talk to me, Daddy. So in real life, Fawcett and his son Jack disappeared. Yeah. There was another man on the, that final expedition with them. Uh, oh, what the fuck was his name? Where'd it go? Rally. His last name's Rally. <laughs> Rallies like the restaurant? <sighs> no. Sorry, I'm just hungry, I think. <laughs> Fawcett was accompanied by two Brazilian laborers, two horses, eight mules, and a pair of dogs. Uh oh. It was Jack's best and longtime friend, Rally Rimmel. So like he took his son and his son's best friend to the to the Amazon to try and find a lost civilization. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> Talk about a vacation. Yeah. Um So that was uh the final expedition departed uh April 20th, 1925. Um last communication was on May 29th of 1925. Uh, he wrote a letter to his wife delivered by Native Runner that he was ready to go in an unexplored territory with only Jack and Rally. Uh, they were reported to be crossing the Upper Zingu, a southwestern tributary river of the River Amazon. The final letter, written from Dead Horse Camp, gave their location and was generally optimistic. That's it. For almost two years. In January 1927, the Royal Geographical Society declared an accepted that the men were lost close to two years after the party's last message. Soon after the society's declaration, there was an outpouring of volunteers to attempt to locate the lost explorers. Many expeditions attempting to find Fawcett failed. At least one lone searcher died in the attempt. Damn. Uh, many people assumed that local Indians killed them, as several tribes were nearby at the time. The Kalapalos, the last tribe to have seen them, the Arumas, the Suyas, and the Zavantes, whose territory they were entering. According to explorer John Hemming, Fawcett's party of three was too few to survive the jungle, and his expectation that his Indian hosts would look after them was likely to have antagonized them by failing to bring any gifts to repay their generosity. Twenty years later, a Kalapalo chief named, uh, or called Kamatsi, told his people how the unwelcome strangers were killed, but others have thought they got lost and died of starvation. The bones provided by Kamatsi turned out to not be those of Fawcett. Um, Edmer Morrill and Nilo Veloso reported that Kamatsi's predecessor, Kalapalo's chief, uh, Izarari, I'm butchering these people's names, uh, had told them that they had killed Fawcett and his son Jack seemingly by shooting them with arrows after Fawcett allegedly attacked him and other Indians when they refused to give him guides and porters to take him to their Shivanti enemies. And Rolf Blomberg said Azarari had told him that Rally Rimmel had already died of fever in a camp of Kurukuru Indians. Uh, a somewhat different version came from Orlando Villas-Boas 
who reported that Isarari had told him that he had killed all three white men with his club the morning after Jack Fawcett had allegedly consorted with one of his wives when he claimed uh, when he claimed that Percy Fawcett had slapped him in the face after the chief refused his demand for canoes and porters to continue his journey. All of that sounds uncharacteristic. Yeah, yeah. exactly, right? Um, the, well, maybe not Jack sleeping with a wife, but... Yeah, we don't know Jack, <laughs> but... Uh, the Kalapala have an oral history of the arrival of three explorers, which states that the three went east, and five days after the Kalapala noticed that the group would no longer made campfires. Uh, the Kalapalo say that a very violent tribe most likely killed them. However, both of the younger men were lame and ill when last seen. There is no proof that they were ever murdered. It is plausible that they died of natural causes in the Brazilian jungle. So that's the part that makes the most sense to me. Uh, and that's what Henry Costin also says. Uh, Henry didn't end up going uh, before the last, in the movie anyway, uh, before the last... Um, expedition he had gotten married and had a kid yeah so he didn't want to leave them yeah it was the first time he had had anything like that so he didn't want to give it up he possibly and, uh, die in the jungle and so there's a couple things with that in the movie where so uh Fawcett says back to Costin after he says that he says something along the lines of well, you know, I had the same thing, and I went anyway. Yeah. But also, earlier in the movie, Costin uh, is who Fawcett tells. He's like, he basically is like, you know, I have a wife and a kid. Like, what am I doing here? Yeah. And like, Costin yeah. gets to see that regret on his face. Yeah. And they don't, it's not, like, it's not, they don't beat you over the head with it or anything. No. But like, I feel like that, like Costin having seen him that way would have influenced when Costin has that mm -hmm. it would have influenced him to you know decide to stay like seeing and then also just seeing like Fawcett's like overall determination and damn everything else I'm gonna find this civilization like yeah. would have also like played a part in his decision to stay home with his family so like right. when we got to that part I like really felt what Costin's decision like yeah I did too, I mean, it really. sucked because like it would have been cool to see him go with him, like yeah. you know, lifelong buds on exploration and stuff. But like you he, understood too, yeah. I I, I one hundred percent understood him not going. Yeah. Uh, so uh, explorer Henry Costin accompanied Fawcett on five of his previous expeditions. Costin expressed his doubt that Fawcett would have perished at the hands of Native Indians as he typically enjoyed good relations with them. He believed the faucet had succumbed to either a lack of food or exhaustion. Um, so there are a bunch of reports in here talking about uh, various chiefs and people saying they talked to chiefs, saying that th this tribe killed Fawcett and his kid, and this tribe did, and that tribe did, and there was one that had a body, and they checked the bones, and then they determined that it wasn't Jack or uh Percy um there were several um like belongings that were found uh but most of them were either uh from a previous ex uh, expedition or were left at a camp before the final journey 
when they actually disappear before their final communication. Oh, okay. Um, so like in the movie, there's a compass that one of the RGS guys gives to uh, uh, Percy. And Percy is like, well, you know, if I, I'll send this back to you if I reach the city. Yeah. Um, and at the end of the movie, after he, they've disappeared, his wife goes to the RGS guy and she's like, you know, uh, this guy in Brazil told me that he found them in, uh, I saw them, they've been living in this city with the Indians. Uh, and he told them, they told, they gave this to him, gave it to me, told me to tell you that you would know what this means. Uh, and basically it was like that, you know, he hadn't found the lost civilization. Uh, but in real life, he had left that at the dead horse camp and it was sent back. Sent back. After that. So it was before they disappeared. Yeah. Um, the only thing that has been, that has come up and this doesn't say anything about it being fake and it's way later. So it's very interesting to me. Um, this isn't, I mean, a lot of this hasn't been about the movie, but it makes the movie more interesting to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm super intrigued by this. I like the movie a lot, but learning yeah. more of the background. Yeah. So this is the only thing that like kind of makes it sound like there was a, uh, um, they came to a violent end, uh, in 1979. So this is like. 50 years later, yeah. 44 years later, uh, or no, 50, 54 years later. Yes. I can't math. Math is hard. Um, in 1979, Fawcett's signet ring was found in a pawn shop. A new theory came about that Fawcett and his companions were killed by bandits. And the bodies were disposed of in the river while their belongings were despoiled. Huh. Yeah. Which, so like there are parts in the movie too that talk about how many other expeditions and expeditions are going to be in the Amazon. And some of them being well armed and hundreds of people strong. Yeah. Yeah. So there are a couple things there. Like you could, you could say that all these other white people went in. And like pissed off all the natives, and that could be you know started problems with them. So then when they did come across Fawcett, Fawcett wasn't able to like have any sort of positive interaction right. with them. You they know? just right. killed him. They just killed him because they thought he was. Yeah, I mean, white man, is devil, uh, in the situation. And yeah. plus, you they know, don't have like scopes or binoculars or anything. So they're like, that's a white dude over there. There's probably a hundred more in the jungle. Yeah, right. We're gonna shoot that dude. So, and if that's, you know, which also might not be the case, I think it is far more plausible that they ran into another expedition and the other expedition knew who he was. And he's like the movie talks about how notorious he, well, not notorious, but how like famous he had become. Yeah. And people following his journeys and like all these people reading the papers specifically, like he was like a pool for the papers. Yeah. And all these people reading their progress and updates and stuff through the papers and how many people even in America on the other side of the world was like following his journey. Yeah. And the movie talks about that. And I think it is far more plausible that a group of jealous, uh, explorers like came across him knowing his notoriety and 
just fucking killed him. Yeah. Like, he was like, no, you're not going to find it. We're going to find it. We're, We're going to kill you it. and these kids. Yeah. You know, because that sounds far more... that The evil of that type of man sounds Greed more plausible. Yeah. Yeah. Greed and glory, as opposed to, like, the native situation. Yeah. I totally agree with that. Uh, totally. And, it, I, you know, to speak to his, like, popularity and his notoriety, you have several... Native chiefs who don't have, uh, you know, wires or newspapers or yeah. mail or anything. <laughs> Several different native chiefs claiming to have killed this guy to get their own clout. Yeah. Like, hey, stay away from us. We killed fucking Percy Fawcett. Yeah. Like, that should tell you how, what this guy was about. Like, yeah. Because these, like, very, like, we're badasses because we killed that guy. Yeah. Stay the fuck out of here. You know? Yeah. And, like, so, I don't know. It's just very interesting. The whole thing is interesting to me. Uh, the movie portrayed all this, like, very well and got me interested in the story enough yeah. to, like, look up and read all this shit. Um. I, I don't know. It's just very well acted. The, I mean, the special effects, there's... I don't think there's a whole lot... You know, there's some... A couple of action scenes. Yeah. The war stuff a little bit, but yeah. like... The war... Um, the one scene, I wanted to point this out. <clears throat> the first time they go down to the... Down the river with yeah. the, the natives. Uh-huh. And they're just like shooting bows at them. That yeah. was a super intense scene. Yeah. I really liked the second time where they're shooting and he holds the book up yeah, and it goes right through it. The arrow goes through it and like flashes through his like life. Yeah. I yeah. thought that was a super cool scene. Yeah. Super great. Yeah. There's a lot of that. Like the whole movie is like that. Yeah. It's just like very well shot. Uh, well acted. Um, well arranged. The only, the only thing, but you can't really escape this with, uh, uh, like a biopic or like a period piece that's like based on a true story. Um, is like pacing was kind of weird to me. It didn't yeah. it didn't it wasn't bad. It was just like it when when you're telling several stories that make up one story, you're not going to have your traditional structure. Yeah. yeah. So it didn't. So it kind of just goes on. And yeah. you're kind of just there for the mm-hmm. ride whether it's going up or down or just kind of going straight. Yeah, you just gotta follow it. And, yeah, I mean that's I, just the kind of movie it is. Yes, that that is definitely the kind of movie it is. Yeah, I wouldn't say the pacing is bad. Um, no. I would say with what they did with it, that I I I personally like really enjoyed the pacing. I love the style of movie. I didn't know it was based on a true story until we were like hitting the third act. Yeah. Um, we were like a little bit into the third act, but when the third act started was when I got weird. Like, I was, because I was, like, I, that's when I thought the movie got kind of weird and, like, off-kilter. But then, the more we watched the third act and the more you talked about, like, the actual story and stuff and them yeah. not knowing what happened, uh, the the first two acts of the movie is, like, much better than the third act. Like, but, uh, like you said earlier, I don't know that there was any other way to end it. Right, like, right. I, don't, I don't know. And it's not because there's no resolution. Like, I don't mind movies that don't have a resolution because this this worked out well. Um, because it, 
it plays into the open-ended like spot like it doesn't leave you on like a cliffhanger that feels unsatisfying right like the whole last 15 20 minutes of the movie is open-ended like because you're just like what the fuck is going on and like you don't know what is going on so it's it's almost very dreamlike yeah yeah it's it's not like you don't know what's going on the whole movie and then still have no clue at the end that's the anticlimactic no resolution stuff i hate yeah like it just keeps you on the edge the entire time and then never nothing happens nothing happens yeah and you're stuff just like happens. what the fuck it's just like you don't know what right yeah yeah so like i'm all for that i loved the way that the the movie played out but the third act does get a little weird but it's because they don't know what actually happened right and it's and it's supposed to feel like that like it was done on purpose right so it like i i don't know dude this was this wasn't what i was expecting either i knew it was a more serious movie because it had won awards and comedies don't win awards but uh even if they should and like a lot of like hardcore action movies don't usually win awards yeah so like i knew we were getting into something different I did, I didn't it still wasn't I still didn't expect what we got but this is like my kind of movie. This is like what I love to watch. This is what I really like if I'm looking for something this is what I want to sit down and watch. Yeah. Um that's generally like I mean I like all kinds of movies, but generally I'm a lighthearted or action type guy, but yeah. I really enjoyed this. Yeah. I also like this like I do like I'm I wouldn't call myself a history buff, but like that time period is super interesting to me. So I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I so like period piece movies are weird to me sometimes, especially when they're like based on a true story. Um, and I don't always enjoy them. Like it depends on how they're done. Yeah. So like this particular type this this is a period piece based on a true story with an open end. Like everything about this movie screams I should not like it. And I fucking loved it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like because it it is it's done so well like the cinematography is amazing yeah like it's a pretty movie the yeah. acting is fucking amazing the acting is top notch like the pacing kept me right there with the movie like i did so in the beginning like the first 10 15 minutes i had a little trouble getting into it um but as as we kind of got on and it picked up a little bit i was i was more like I guess I shouldn't say picked up because it doesn't necessarily pick up. Like there's just it just eventually drew me in. It just yeah. took a few minutes to get there. Yeah. Um and trying to anticipate where the movie was going was not happening at all because it did nothing that I thought it was gonna do as we were watching it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I was being surprised the whole movie. I was I was about that too. I enjoyed it. Uh mm-hmm. I would rewatch this. Like, I think this I would is too. a movie that I would rewatch. Yeah, I would watch it again. Right now. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, Dave, do you have any trivia? I do have some trivia. All right, let's 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 go down to the corner. Are we going to swing on down to the corner? <laughs> he was not in this movie. <laughs> Tarzan was not in this movie. I'd oh, watch Charlie Hunnam play Tarzan, though. I think I would, too. Hmm. Anyways, this is Dave's Trivia Corner. Dave's Trivia Corner! Where'd that guy go? (laughs) (laughs) He swung away. Swung away. Uh, This is Dave's Trivia Corner, where the point of the corner is for you to say, 
Ooh, neat. Damn right. These are pretty Damn neat. Damn right. Uh, director James Gray wrote, wrote to Francis Ford Coppola, who directed Apocalypse Now, asking for advice about shooting in the jungle. Coppola's two-word reply was, don't go. When Coppola decided... <laughs> When Coppola decided to make Apocalypse Now, he received the same advice from Roger Corman. <laughs> Corman? Yeah, Corman. Was oh, one. my God. <laughs> I thought that was super cool. I had to read that, that one. That's, that's neat. Yeah. I'll say yeah, it. That's, that's fucking, fucking neat. neat. Uh, while filming in the jungle, a number remembers a particularly nerve-wracking encounter uh, one Saturday night following an exhausting six-day shooting week. I was staying in this little shack on this hill and woke up at three in the morning to this ungodly noise, like there was a pneumatic drill in my ear. An insect had burrowed into my ear and hit my eardrum so it couldn't go any further. It was a long beetle with wings. When it couldn't get back out, it kept trying to burrow further in and flapping its wings. That's what woke me up. Fuck. How do you sleep through that? So, hey. I definitely wouldn't. Yeah, how do you, well, how do you sleep through, like, a bug crawling on you? Because, like, anything touches me when I'm asleep and it wakes me up. If I was in the False jungle, I don't even know that I'd sleep. It'd be micro naps. Like, and you can't <laughs> yeah. put earplugs in to protect yourself because then you can't hear the fucking panther sneaking up on you. <laughs> right. You can't hear a panther sneaking up on you anyway. That's it's a good sneaky. point. They're sneaky. They always pass their sneak check. Yeah. Mm. They have advantage. I mean, they have advantage, but I think I'd hear it. <laughs> That's also the oh, I wake up if anything crawls on me. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. No, I do not. Shane crawls on you regularly. You don't know it. Apparently. <laughs> um, if shooting on thirty-five millimeter film made perfect sense aesthetically, it posed significant logistical challenges in the middle of the Colombian jungle. It was an act of absolute hubris to shoot this picture on film, says Gray who set up an elaborate routine in order to ship, process, and review the film during production. First, he had to teach a young guy from um, Bogota? Bogota. 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 How to load the film, because nobody really knows how to do that anymore. Uh, Gray recalls that every day after we finished our shoot, they'd put this film into a torn-up, crappy cardboard box and load it into a single-engine crop duster that would take off from this little runway. After a series of plane changes, the film canisters eventually made their way to London. We're talking three flights every day just to get your film processed, Gray says. The next morning, there was always this sense of dread when the satellite phone rang and you'd be thinking, I really hope the film arrived. (laughs) Oh my God. That'd be stressful. Yeah, that's super stressful. Fuck all that. Holy shit. Uh, Holland went swimming with the largest predators in the Amazon basin inadvertently. God damn it, kid. I got in the river one day with the local kids and had the best day ever, but I didn't realize the water was filled with black caimans, which are like giant alligators, he says. The next day, we were filming on the boat when I saw this big crocodile-looking thing in the river. Apparently, they are very docile and don't really attack people, but to me, this thing looked as mean as could be. <laughs> wow. Dude, alligators are fucking terrifying. Um yeah. Caimans, dude. Caimans are even more terrifying. 
Fuck that. Um, I got three more. Mm, All let's right. do it. Uh, the decision to shoot on 35 millimeter had may have been the film's saving grace as the production team's uh, computers proved no match for the oppressive jungle conditions. Makes sense. The humidity got to my Mac to the point where it wouldn't turn on anymore, Gray recalls. Looking back on it now, the film format worked out pretty well because of its mechanical process. If I'd relied on digital, the machines might have cooked out completely and then we'd be in real trouble. So they almost had to film on 35 millimeter. But everything about filming actually on location in the jungle is insane. Yeah. yeah. They were on their own little expedition. When it came to filming in the jungle, it felt pretty sketchy at times, admits Pat, uh, Pattinson. Uh, there were enormous spiders and snakes everywhere and giant, gorgeous, bright blue frogs that will kill you. <laughs> we were worried about arbor vipers that drop from the trees and bite you in the face. After someone in the crew gotten bitten in the neck by a snake, they asked me and Charlie to go into virgin jungles with blue machetes. And all the Colombians were telling us there is a reason you don't go off the path. The animals will leave you alone until you start smashing the jungle. Yeah. Huh. Um, the last one. You guys ready for the last one? Sure. Yeah. Uh, Charlie Hunter and Robert Pattinson both lost 20. Oh, lost around. There's a word I missed there. <laughs> both lost around 20 to 40 pounds by only eating the minimum per day while filming in the jungle. Yeah. Wow. That sounds right. I feel like Robert yeah. Pattinson couldn't afford to lose that. He's pretty skinny as it is. Yeah. Charlie probably got back and was like, oh, I can only do three push-ups now compared to the 300 I did before a day. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's all I have for the corner. I got a little piece of trivia while we're in the corner. All right, do it. I wanted to point out that they did the uh, piranhas right. Because like, like, most movies show that like if you fall in water around piranhas, they'll just immediately fucking start eating you. Which yeah. is false. But yeah, which is false. Um, so like the guy, so Charlie Hunnam and uh, the other guy, I don't remember his name, but they... He wasn't in it for very long. Yeah, he gets like shot with an arrow and then falls in, starts like bleeding into the water. And so then Charlie jumps in after him and like when Charlie gets out, he doesn't have any bite marks on him because he wasn't the one bleeding. Right. So like, I liked that they, I, I liked that they got that right. I did too, because like, I'm an I'm an animal guy. I like animals. Yeah, and I knew about piranhas. Piranhas don't inherently just like bite whatever's in their tank or whatever is yeah. around. But yeah, like, like open wounds like that. Yeah, they'll like start digging away at that open wound and then. Yeah, yeah. Yep. That's game. Which is where the blood in the water for sharks thing kind of came from. Right. I saw this video one time. Is this dude? It's like Coyote Peterson. He's the one that gets bit by weird shit. Mm-hmm. He did a video where there was like a small school of piranhas in a tank, like a clear tank. And he's like, all right, this might be the stupidest thing I've ever done. But he stuck his hand like in the tank, like mm -hmm. very slowly stuck his hand in the tank. And they completely ignored him. Yeah. yeah. Like a couple, they would brush up against him, but like yeah. they wouldn't. And he even like moved his hand towards the school and like got right up, like right up next to one and like was like kind of touching it. Didn't bother him at all. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. One of my it's... uncles had uh, a couple piranhas. Really? Yeah. They would weird me out because, like, I would sit on the ground in front of the tank, and they would just stare at me. <laughs> just stare at you? Yeah, they just, like, sitting there. They're fucking underbite. Like, yeah, that weird underbite. Like, what's up? What's up, bro? But I, th- I don't know. I, th- I have like a weird thing with animals. They just like look at me. Like, I don't know if they want to eat me or if they want me to pet them. <laughs> I don't know. You should always assume that every animal wants you to pet them. So th- when uh, I was that's a kid, false. Don't, <laughs> no, don't do that. Uh, have you seen the the video of the guy feeding the the lizard uh like a banana? No. And he's like, oh, what's your name? Oh, Venomous. Oh, you're so cute, Venomous. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so when I was a kid, story time machine, uh, when I was a kid, um, we went to, I don't, it was weird. It was like this huge pet sale or like animal kind of exotic animal sale thing. Yeah. Uh, they used to do them like in... Uh, where they would have like the boat sport and travel shows yeah, I've been and to stuff. One. Yeah. Like a reptile show. Yeah, like a reptile show. And uh it's, this one wasn't just reptiles because they had like uh enchinas and uh porcupines and Oh, okay. Like a few other mammals, like just weird ones, you know? Yeah. Um maybe some weird cats. Not big cats, but like medium cats. House cats. <laughs> not <laughs> not how not normal house cats. Oh, uh, like know, a like, lynx or yeah, something. Lynx like that. and stuff like that. Uh, it's just like exotic animal show. Yeah. Um, but I mean, most people consider almost all reptiles and amphibians exotic, right? Yeah. So uh, we go in, and like my parents are like filling out one of the like Waivers. leave your no leave your like phone number and your address, and maybe you'll win something. But really, they're gonna just send you a leaflet. Yeah. Uh, now they ask for your email address, but it used to just be your phone number and your address. And, uh, so they're like filling these things out and I like run in and the, the, the very first booth had like all these big aquariums with, uh, like large lizards. Like there was some iguanas and shit, Ooh, but there nice. was like the really big monitor lizard in the front one. And, uh, I'm like, oh my God, this dude is awesome. And I'm just like looking at him and fucking <laughs> tapping the glass cause I'm a fucking stupid little kid. <laughs> and he's like looking at me and he's like, you know, licking the air. I'm like, oh man, this is awesome. And I turn around and I'm like, mom, dad, come over here. Look, look, look. And I didn't know that there wasn't a lid on his aquarium. Oh God. So he was like, he was like four foot long. Yeah. Monitors are big, big big boy. He wasn't done growing, but he was still a big boy. And he like, mean, he like crawls up over the glass and is like, like basically like licking the back of my head. Like. Oh, am I gonna eat this little boy? <laughs> Holy shit! And my parents are like walking up, and my my mom's like, "Oh my god!" My dad's like, "Hey, hey Shane, turn around!" <laughs> so I turn around, and there's this fucking monitor lizard. Like I'm like eye to eye with this fucking thing, and I was just like, "Oh fuck!" <laughs> just like turn around and run at my my dad. Uh, now, now I want one. Um. <laughs> I had a friend who had one. They're cool, but they're also fucking mean. Yeah, I actually don't. I don't want a monitor. I want um, a tengu. Yeah, tengu. I want yeah, a tengu as well. Yeah. I love. I love. I don't know if you know. I love mean, reptiles. Yeah. I mean, I had a snake. I have one currently. Yeah. We both had. You have ball python, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's why I have I a ball python. and I have a bearded dragon. Yeah. Mine was Jake. 
Oh yeah, Jake the Snake. Yep. Mine is um his name is Ghostface Killer. Also a fantastic snake name. Great names. <laughs> I don't think I've ever had a reptile. I think they're super chill. I mean, if you get the right kind. Yeah. Ball pythons are super chill. Bearded dragons are super chill. Oh, uh, yeah. I kind of want to skink because they're just like walking potatoes. Tabby has a, a bearded dragon. He's, yeah. She's super chill. Yeah. yeah. Mine's pretty chill. He doesn't like, doesn't like to be fucked with. Like, if we, I can just look at him. If I open his cage and I'm not feeding him, he's like, all right, dude, leave me alone. Yeah, get the <laughs> fuck out of here. No, nah, this one is like, I don't remember what the fuck. Otsky? Something like that. Otsy, I think Otsy? I don't yeah. remember. But anyway, she's super chill. Like, she's, I've held her. Like, the second time I, I, like, met this animal, I held it, and she's just like, okay. Okay, that's fine. Whatever. Most of them are like that. <laughs> Mine, I think when I was, I'm sorry, no reptile talk. Yeah. Oh, no, you're fine. Um... There's at least one reptile in this movie. That's true. Uh, but when I uh, when I first got mine, I don't think I held him as much mm. as I should have because like yeah. when I would go to grab him, he would just jump off me. Oh yeah, and he was a I got him when he was a little baby. Yeah, and I'm a tall boy, mm. so I, I I was like I don't want him to fall and break his neck. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I don't think I held him as much as a baby, but now he's just kind of fat and sits on his log. <laughs> so I want to take you because they're basically like lizard dogs yeah you but you'd have to have a whole room for them basically. yeah you, i mean you got to treat them basically like a fucking dog like they got to have a whole area and like they eat a lot yep. especially if they get as big as a dog which they can eat a lot of salmon yeah a lot of meat and gets expensive and they're not cheap to begin with yeah. no not at all yeah but anyway this has been reptile talk this has been reptile talk <laughs> Uh, do you guys want to go ahead and rate this movie? Yeah, sounds good. I'd rate it. I'd rate it. I'd rate it a nine. I think this movie is fantastic. Uh, it also got me very interested in the actual story of of Percival Fawcett, um, which is a dope name. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like the acting is fantastic. Again, another reason to forgive and forget about fucking twilight um don't watch it don't watch twilight just forget it exists and for, <laughs> yes forgive robert pattinson yes. um i accidentally watched the first one get the fuck out of here all right later <laughs> it was on accident so on accident purposefully watched all of them but got late afterwards that was that's a cooler story than mine yeah I was hanging out with my buddy. He's like, hey, we're going to watch this movie. Like, what's it about? He's like, vampires. I'm like, okay, like, oh, yeah. whatever. <laughs> and he knew exactly what it was. And I walk in like 15 minutes and I look, I turn and look at him. He's just like laughing. I'm like, you son of a bitch. Well, you might not have got laid, but you definitely got fucked. I got fucked for sure. <laughs> New guest, the Russell's alarm. <laughs> what do you rate the movie alarm? Sorry, guys. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to give it a nine. I think it's, you know. It's a very good movie, excellent acting, excellent cinematography. You know, everything was basically top notch. Um, it's not revelatory, so it's not going to get a ten. Uh, so that's what I got, Russell. What do you think? I am also going to give it a nine. I want to give it a nine point five, but something's stopping me. Don't let anything stop you, Russell. You're right. I don't. I don't. I don't know what's stopping me. 
I don't know. I think it's like, I think the reason I don't want to give it a 9.5 is because I don't want to have to list it as like one of my favorite movies ever. Because it's not. But it's really fucking good. Yeah, it's so, it's just like extremely well executed. Like it's not, it's not a movie that I want to watch every day. Yeah. It's no Robocop. Like it, it's, it's got some depth to it. It, 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 maybe that's what it is. Like it has a lot of depth to it. But there is still, like, I mean, granted, it's already two hours and 20 minutes long. Right. Yeah. But, like, with the depth that it does have, like, there could have been a lot more, I guess. But also, it being based on real life kind of probably pulls away from that a little bit because they probably weren't having, like, these existential conversations in the jungle. They're probably more so just trying to survive. I don't know, yeah. man. That's when you have them. Yeah. And I remember. Some of the most like deep conversations, other than being like in the middle of the night while you're fucked up or you're just sleep deprived, uh, are usually like I had an extremely deep conversation about life and death and impending doom and stuff uh, with my brother in law. Uh, I think the weekend of their wedding, my sister and his wedding. Yeah. Uh shoveling out people's cars because they got married on January first, like a couple of assholes. <laughs> uh, so we were like shoveling out people's cars at my parents' house. And like there was literally like f- from the northern horizon to the southern horizon, there was a line of black clouds. Mm-hmm. Just a complete wall of like it looked like a wall of death. And it was just like moving at us from the east. Yeah. Or from the yeah. west. And we just like had this existential conversation. So I think you would have existential conversations if you're like delirious from fever or just fatigue. Yeah, yeah. In the in the fucking jungle, and you're just like, <sighs> so this is it, man. Like we're gonna fucking die here, and like you yeah. start talking about real shit. Yeah, yeah. And they like they had they had one where you know the one I mentioned earlier where Costin uh, and. Fawcett are like talking about you know Fawcett's family like why am I you know why am I here Mm -hmm. I don't feel like there was enough of that and that could have like improved the movie with like more theoretical uh, conversations about you know I mean life and death or like decisions and things like that like could have added some more depth to it or like you know the we get some talk about like you know the word savages versus natives like I thought that was a nice touch Fawcett corrects Mm -hmm someone when they call them savages and yeah. he's like he you know when, he doesn't like say oh you mean natives like he's yeah. he's he, he's more elegant than that yes. it just when he talks he's like well the natives and it's it's a great scene so like and then like when he's talking to like all the fu- the crowd of fucking european white guys at the the get together conference thing like there's a lot of good conversation there like based on you know are were white people the original people and i mean yeah. we know now that, w- that we weren't yeah you know so but then they didn't and that well was i mean the they wouldn't accept thought. it they wouldn't accept yeah. it yeah yeah because the you know they were also like christian so it was like yeah you know god made adam and eve and they were white bro like i don't know what you're talking about yeah <laughs> <laughs> i mean god didn't make adam and eve so like that's and it doesn't matter he, if they were white or black or fucking purple. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, he, it could even, be purple. Even if that was the story that was true, like they they wouldn't have been white. No, so, they wouldn't have been. Yeah, 
get the fuck over it. Like, so, but anyway. <laughs> uh, but so there is like a lot of depth to it, which is one of the reasons I am going all the way up to at least a nine. Yeah. Um, but there could have been a little bit more on a personal level, I think, uh, a little bit more introspection and things like that. So I think there was like a quite a bit of like visual introspection for Fawcett, but not really for anyone else. Yeah. Because it was like about him, but like I yeah. would have liked to see some stuff about Costin. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I His thoughts on things as opposed to. I agree with that. Only Fawcett, you know, because yeah. Fawcett had like several like flashbacks and like thinking about his wife while stuff was happening and stuff like that but like yeah. none of the other characters really got that kind of treatment no yeah Which, I, again I it was about percy but yeah but they still could have there's a lot of there's a lot of space in the movie where they could have improved on some of the depth of the movie yeah. Not to degrade it because I'm already applauding it for the depth of the movie. Yeah. But it's the reason I'm not going up to a 9.5. Yeah. Sure. So I give it a 9. About you, Dave. So we know that your boy Dave. Your boy. Wrong, wrong show. Oh. Woof, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> woof. We'll, we'll always have woof, woof. Okay. Um, you know, I'm, I'm more of a action horror silly guy yeah i like that kind of stuff you know but i also like i can dig in on some some historical stuff and that's why i'm also giving this a nine because <laughs> i really enjoyed it the acting i thought was fantastic mm. um while not being an action adventure it was very there was a, a lot of adventure to it yeah yeah like they were literally adventuring through the amazon yeah and I thought that was super interesting. I thought they did a great job dealing with the with the natives. I liked that aspect of the him befriending the natives. Yeah. And um I just I don't know, I really enjoyed it. So I also give it a nine. All right. Uh so that's gonna do it for this week where we went over the lost city of Zed. <laughs> or uh, Z Zed, whatever. You know, you said it was Zed. You can't, you can't hem and haw now. It's That's Zed. True. It's Zed. <laughs> I am, I have spoken. Yeah. Hem and haw, you fucking white person. <laughs> yeah, I am. <laughs> Whatever. Just three white guys doing a podcast. Yep. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Never been done before. Uh, yeah. This is completely new and original, <laughs> folks. <laughs> Ow. <laughs> My heart. <laughs> Three white dudes reviewing movies. Uh, <laughs> Never been done before. Well, next week we were going to do Uncharted. I think we should just cancel the show <laughs> on originality. <laughs> next week we are going to go. We are going to continue our uh, swing to spring through adventure movies with Uncharted, uh, an adaptation of the uh, Sony video games. Popular video game. Popular. They're Naughty Dog games, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um. With Tom Holland and Marky Mark. Probably not his funky bunch, though. Probably not. I hope. Oh, I want Donnie to show up. <laughs> Donnie. Donnie Wavig. Uh, anyway, uh, thanks for listening. Please like, subscribe. Oh, wait. No, we got one more thing. We got a retraction. Oh, yeah. We Almost. can retract it next week. Nope. And live one more week in our hypocrisy. Nope. We, I have to expose our hypocrisy. <laughs> I'm very confused. 
So expose it. Yeah. So uh, was that two years ago? Three years ago? I don't know. Whenever these fucking movies came out, uh, I was involved. No, you weren't. You weren't part of this. Uh, so when Infinity War and Endgame came out, uh, Russell and I were very vocal in our opposition of the portrayal of um, Thanos only in his motivation. Uh, you know, he was very well, the, the acting was good and everything, and he looked right and everything, but his motivation, we thought, was off, uh, based on, um, uh, the Infinity Gauntlet, uh, uh, series from the early 90s, um, he talks about wanting to kill half of the population in the universe, f- uh, basically to get on death's good side because he's in love with death. Uh, so in the movies, uh, he is basically being a conservationist, uh, the out of control populations of all the planets of both, uh, sentient and non-sentient life, um, are destroying the resources, destroying the planets, destroying the universe. Uh, so by killing 50%, he extends the um, the lifespan of the universe and hopefully shows the sentient beings on each planet that uh, it, the right thing to do is be conservative with both birth rates and with resources, right? Right. <clears throat> so we poo-pooed that. And like, that's not what he fucking did in the comic books. This is fucking stupid. They even mentioned death. At the end of Avengers, this is dumb. We hate it. Negative two points on every movie that he's in. I don't think we actually docked him that bad. I, I don't think so either. It was like point two five of yeah. any. <laughs> but we were mad about it, okay? We were real mad about it. But you know what? We're stupid because if we actually had read comic books like we say we do, <laughs> we would know that it was a combination of those two things. Uh, if you read Silver Surfer number 35 from 1991. <laughs> Damn. Yep. Uh, I'm going to go there. Uh, right after Thanos comes back to life from however he fucking died the last time. Nerds. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, <laughs> this is before the uh, Infinity Saga. Uh, he basically goes to... Silver Surfer and tells him exactly his uh, his motivations from Infinity War and Endgame that he's trying to stop the universe from destroying itself by uh, overpopulation and overuse of resources. Uh, he does mention death, um, that death, you know, basically clued him into this, and that you know he's being an instrument of death to destroy fifty percent of the populations of every planet, but. It is for the conservation of the universe, not just to get in her pants. Uh, so the the motivations in the movie are, for the most part, comic accurate. Huh. With the exclusion of his of love de- for of death. With the exclusion of his love for death. Yeah. yeah. And we were real mad about it not being comic accurate when it was comic accurate the whole time. <laughs> So, if you'd like to write us and tell us how big a fucking dolts we are, uh, that we should read comic books more, um, hit us up, draftyq at gmail.com. 
leave us a, a review, hopefully five stars, because we we can admit when we're wrong. Uh, we can admit it doesn't mean we like it. No, I don't like being wrong, but Which I'll admit I'm it. going to go through and read every Marvel comic ever printed. And he will give you a, a detailed <sighs> review it's next fucking, week. It's fucking a lot, man. It's a lot. Uh, but anyway. <laughs> next week. Yeah. <laughs> Dude. It's just some word bubbles and some pages. How long can it take? Yeah, it's not yeah. that long. Yeah, you it's read mainly pictures, dude. Read that fucking read Silver Surfer number thirty-five. It's a fucking book. Like it is so text. Like nothing happens in the whole fucking thing. Like it's literally Thanos monologuing and occasionally Silver Surfer interjecting. The whole fucking comic. God damn. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's awesome. But it's insane, like, how much fucking text is in that book. Oh, yeah. Hmm. I mean, compared to other books. But, yeah. So, that's going to do it for this week. Next week, we're going to do Uncharted. Thank you very much, and have a wonderful night. Goodbye. Mr. Fawcett, that jungle is hell, but one kind of likes it. This has been a production of the Drafty Quarters Podcast Network.